Welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely Friday, March 17th, 2023. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to you by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy. Sunrays, the snack with impact. And Dole Fresh Fruit and Vegetables. Yes, folks, it's a lovely day, like I said earlier. I'm Dan the Produce Man. And what else do you talk about on St. Patrick's Day on a produce podcast? But melons, potatoes. No, we already did potatoes. Eggplant, tuna. All right, no. The Emerald Ball, folks, it's cabbage. That's what we talk about on St. Patrick's Day. And oh boy, oh boy, do we have cabbage for you. Let me tell you. Well, you know, on the produce stand, we've got three main round cabbages that people buy. You got your round green head. You got your purple green head. Or your round purple or burgundy or red cabbage is what it's called. And then the Savoy cabbage which is that very loose, crinkly, light, puffy, but absolutely delicious cabbage as well. But there are several, several different vegetables in the cabbage family. In fact, if just the regular veggie eater like us knew how much cabbage you really ate, you'd be surprised. You see, the cabbage family has lots of brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, descendants, etc. The botanical term is brassica, which is known as mustard, which is a cruciferae or cruciferous. And it's called that because the flowers, when it flowers, when the actual cabbage flowers and these vegetables flower, the flower resembles a crucifix. So that's why it's called cruciferous. Now, within the cabbage family, we find Brussels sprouts, kale, collards, kohlrabi, bok choy, broccoli, cauliflower, and the list goes on, all which are very high in cancer-fighting phytochemicals, which are plant compounds with health-promoting qualities such as lycopene, which is found in watermelon, tomatoes, apricots, and a few others, and indoles, which help the prevention of certain types of cancer, including breast cancer, prostate cancer, and colon cancer. And the indole is a phytochemical. And then there's antioxidants such as vitamin E, vitamin C, beta carotene. Those protect the cells from damaging effects of oxidation. So needless to say, cruciferous vegetables make a great portion of our five a day, no, nine a day, no, 13 a day. That's right. And that's something that we've all been working very hard to achieve and definitely here to promote, uh, both Patrick and I. At the same time, we're well aware of the fact that some of the cabbages get a bad rap, most of which stems from the old days when folks would 
boil them down in salted water till they were mush. The whole house would stink. Everyone in the neighborhood would say, oh, my gosh, what's going on over there? If you had the window going, uh, nose open or the overhead fan on. And then you'd get this big pile of steaming hot stuff on your plate. Well, my fine, unfeathered produce pals out there, those days are long, long gone. And somewhere in the 70s, folks started to figure out that when you lightly steamed your veggies, they would still have a bit of a crunch, taste great, stink less, and definitely retain the nutrient content. Then, of course, most of these veggies are just fine raw and even juiced. So cabbage stems back to a weed called Brassica rapus, and that weed was grown before we even walked the planet, according to specific experts. So from that weed, Brassica napus, you go in one direction, you get Brassica rapa, which is turnips and Chinese cabbage, and then you get Brassica juncea, which is like mustards, Indian mustard, black mustard, and then coming out from the other side, I'm looking at these arrows coming out of Brassica rapus, you get Brassica oleracea, which is cabbage, like we have, and Brassica carinata. I almost said carnitas. Tell what I'm in the mood for, which is like an Ethiopian mustard. According to Cabbage, a global history by Meg Muckenhaupt. It could be Muckenhaupt. Not quite sure, but that's what Meg, she does an extensive study of cabbage, and it goes back 4,000 years Different, you know, you've got the Chinese varieties and you've got the, the round varieties. So some originating in China, others in the Mediterranean. Of course, what happened was, and I'm not going to get into a long history of this. We're going to leave that to our buddy, John Papp. Maybe he can do a history of cabbage for us that's very detailed. Um, or you can just read this book, Cabbage Global History, which is a great book. But anyway get to like maybe medieval times where cabbage finally made its way to Europe and became a staple. And you look in all a lot of medieval art and everything, and you'll see cabbages in there with the beautiful outer leaves and the whole bit. And, you know, became very popular in the area. However, you know, originally cabbage was grown for its seeds because they made oil out of the seeds. So once they figured out you could actually eat the stuff, then it started to uh, gain some popularity. And here in the United States, California tops production of ca- of cabbage. Of course, it's all underwater right now. And I think uh, Florida, Wisconsin, I think, Texas for sure, also produce a lot of cabbage. In fact, we used to get cabbage out of Texas many years ago. And we would get the flat Dutch cabbage, I believe, uh, so in the stores, you've got your round heads. You've got your nice green cabbage that you know that we get. Then you've got your red cabbage and your savoy, like I told you about. Then, you, then on the other side, you get your Napa cabbages and, and everything that stems from cabbage. But then there's other varieties like the conehead cabbage, which is, man, and it, it's called honeycone cabbage. I think Babe Farms, sheesh, maybe like five or six years ago, could be even longer. Uh, really started promoting the conehead cabbage. They were calling it honey cone cabbage. And they were slicing it, I think, in quarters and grilling it and then putting this Caesar-type topping on it. Man, it was really good. 
So if you can find the conehead cabbage, I don't think the major supermarkets carry it. But if you shop the farmer's markets, and of course here in the San Francisco Bay Area where I live, there's many independent produce markets. There's some really huge ones, and then there's a bunch of independents everywhere. You will most likely find it in there. It's very compact, uh, smaller leaves but compact, and sweeter than your regular round cabbage, which is good if you're making juice, vegetable juice with kales and chards and greens and celery and ginger and all that, if you're not going to put any fruit in it because that conehead cabbage, even regular green cabbage will do this too, but the conehead cabbage will really bump it up. It gives the juice a sweetness that it otherwise wouldn't have, and that's a really good thing because for some people it goes down easier. I love cabbage juice. I love cabbage in all forms. So for me, it's no biggie whether, whether it, and I love juice, whether it tastes like grass or not, but then I'm a strange person. So anyway, uh, the cabbages in the stores have a long, long history behind them. So with St. Patrick's Day here, this is one veggie that people either love or hate. Oh, don't pass up the fresh cut section either. Uh, there's a lot of uh, fresh cut cabbages out there, shredded in the bags in the stores. Some of them have a little bit of shredded red cabbage and, and carrots in there to give you the coleslaw. And then other bags, like the angel hair cabbage is really good too. So a lot of cabbages to choose from. And I know that you know a lot of folks want the corned beef. I'm not a corned beef fan, but we're not going to get into that right now. A long time ago, yes, folks, a long time ago, on my radio show called The Produce Pair, which was on the Talk America radio network, we had callers from all over the place. And once the radio show started playing online, we got calls from people in other countries. Now, remember, this show started in 1998, and then it ran till 2005. So uh, we evolved with the Internet, and when the radio, the Talk America Radio Network and the Universal Talk Network, we were on both, when it became easier to, to put radio stations online as well so you could listen online, we started getting calls from around the world. And we were talking about St. Patrick's Day one time. We were talking about cabbage, and we got a call from... A true Irishman, the man from Ireland, he said that in Ireland, the traditional St. Patrick's Day meal is made up of ham or bacon, cabbage and potatoes, and sometimes chicken. So corned beef and cabbage is, um, well, uh, it's as American as apple pie. There's reasons for that. I think what happened was, was during the Civil War, I was reading it in one of the books, that during the Civil War... There were a lot of uh, Irish immigrants on both sides of the of the uh, both sides of the war. Some from the south, some from the north. And I think that the salted down corned beef was preserved well, and it, you know they tried to simulate with the bacon that they had back home, but it held up without without breaking down. Uh, a lot of the families were poor, couldn't afford other meats, so that became the American. St. Patrick's Day meal, corned beef and cabbage. So in the complete book of fruits and vegetables by Francesco Biaccini, Francesco Corbetta, and Marlena Pistoia. Now, I know you've, I've quoted from this book before, but in this book they're saying that cabbage are derived from a wild native, the, 
the weed that I told you about earlier, native to Central and Western Europe and Western Asia. Some botanists ascribe these wild plants to the variety of silvicola, which grows on rocks. And I read elsewhere, too, that originally it grew on limestone. Just think, if that cabbage morphed into the round-headed cabbage that we have today, and there was a rock slide, heads would roll. (laughs) All right, I know. I'm the only one laughing, right? All right. Another book here tells me. This is The Vegetable Encyclopedia and Cookbook by Christine Ingram. She's saying cabbage sliced and cooked can be one of the one of two things, deliciously crisp with a mild pleasant flavor or overcooked and horrible. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well she's right. If it's or- overcooked it is horrible. Cabbage and other brassicas can c- contain the chemical hydrogen sulfide, which is activated during cooking at about the point where the vegetable starts to soften. It eventually disappears, but during the in-between time, cabbage acquires its characteristic rank smell and flavor. So either cook cabbage briefly or cook it long and slow, preferably with other ingredients so that the flavors can mingle. When I cook cabbage, I will quickly blanch it and in the steamer. I mean, just a little bit, and then what I like to do is I like to put it in a pan with some olive oil, sometimes some balsamic vinegar, sometimes not, just depends on what flavor I want, and I like to crisp it up that way. And in the Dole Nutrition Handbook, What to Eat, How to Live a Longer, Healthier Life, this is uh, was sent to me by Dole back in 2010, so the information is from 12 years ago. 13 years ago. Vitamin K, 76%. Vitamin C, 35 to 42%. Also, glucosinolates. And it goes on to say, green cabbage provides the highest levels of two anti-cancer glucosinolates, which are converted upon consumption into compounds that, that may inhibit tumor growth. Research shows that one compound, allyl ethocyanate, disrupts the cell division of colon cancer, while the other indole-3-carbonyl may lower the risk of developing estrogen-related cancers such as breast and ovarian cancer. Yet a third compound released with cabbage consumption may inhibit the growth of human prostate cancer cells, according to research from the University of California, Berkeley. So while you have your St. Patrick's Day meal and you're celebrating and uh, yahooing with all your buddies and friends out there, you're actually filling your body up with some awesome nutrition. Now, I talked to a a chef the other day, and he said he is going to take corned beef, put them on a bun, put some shredded cabbage, or I think he even said sauerkraut, and that's it, man. And then uh, some potatoes on the side and carrot cake, because he doesn't want to go through making the whole St. Patrick's Day meal. But you know, I have had corned beef and cabbage on like a hamburger bun. I don't know, what whatever else they put on there, some fancy aioli or something. Yeah, it was decent. Again, I'm not a corned beef fan, so but that's one way of doing it. Stuffed cabbage leaves is another way to have your corned beef and cabbage, but preparing the leaves for stuffing has always been a chore. After the break, I'm going to give you a nice tip on what one of my customers at my store that I used to own told me that she does as far as softening up the leaves 
for stuffing. Okay, and then, of course, red cabbage doesn't count for St. Patrick's Day because it's not green, doggone it. So, But good stuff there, too. And whatever your meal consists of for St. Patrick's Day, don't reserve cabbage just for that day. You can add shreds of red and green cabbage to your salads to make it nice and crunchy and crispy. And, of course, good old slaw with a little bit of mayo, a little bit of pickle juice, a little bit of... Some people use sugar. You can use other sweeteners these days if you don't want sugar. A little bit of lemon juice. I like to put black caraway seeds in it and some celery seeds and have a nice slaw. And, you know, if you don't eat the slaw as coleslaw, you can always put it on some sort of fried chicken sandwich or, hey, a corned beef and cabbage sandwich. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back right after this. Welcome to Equifruit, an importer and marketer of fresh bananas. Equifruit is committed to 100% fair trade, which means no crummy wages, super safe working conditions, and nothing but love for the ladies. Driving innovation through impossible to ignore merchandising, Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. Hey folks, the Gettysburg Address is 286 words. The Declaration of Independence has 1,322 words. But government regulations on the sale of cabbage total 26,911 words. That's government for you. More to come. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, and it's buck naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. Okay, how about a cabbage cocktail <laughs> to go with your corned beef and cabbage this Thanksgiving? Dig this. This comes from the Juicing Bible, second edition by Pat Crocker. All right. A quarter head of cabbage, two carrots, two stalks of celery, one clove of garlic, <laughs> three sprigs of parsley, Two parsnips, holy smoke, what the heck are you talking about? Two sprigs of fresh dill, one beet, one apple, and a half a teaspoon of fennel seeds, optional. Or maybe you just throw in a half a fennel bulb. That sounds like a powerhouse of a cocktail. Okay, using the juicer, process the cabbage, carrot, celery, garlic, parsley, parsnips, dill, beet, and apple Whisk and pour into a carafe or large glasses. Whisk with fennel seeds if using. Okay, all right. That's making more than one cocktail. I, I feel a little bit better about that now because I thought this was just for one drink. And I was going to say one clove of garlic with all that. Woo, boy. I wouldn't want to be with you in the elevator if you drank that. That's for sure. All right, folks. The cabbage cocktail. Okay, so when you're picking cabbage out in the store... It's going to be different depending on the variety. If it's a white cabbage over a green cabbage, then it's going to be white. If it's green cabbage, then you want it nice, fully green. But your best hint 
is to flip that cabbage over and look at the stem end. If there's any gray or black, but usually gray, that cab and it's in the the leaves are really like crinkly and white. That cabbage has been trimmed down and trimmed down and trimmed down, and it's just been sitting around, especially with that gray discoloration on the oxidation on the stem end. Uh, it's been sitting around for quite a quite a while, and you may want to steer clear of it, go somewhere else. Brown is okay on the butt of the cabbage. You got, but you got to be able to see the butt of the cabbage, and that's the stem part. Now, in my store, <laughs> here we go again. I used to have an organic grower that would pick cabbages for me specifically with the long outer leaves on it. The less it was trimmed, the better I liked it. One, I like to use the outer leaves for stuffing, and and two, it made a beautiful presentation on the stand. Now, I've been in several stores over the weekend and looking at them getting ready to prepare their cabbage displays and their St. Patrick's Day displays with cabbage and red potatoes and carrots. And some stores have nice, firm, vibrant green heads. Others have uh, things that have been trimmed down. It's going to be hard to find the outer leaves unless you're shopping at the farmer's market. But I got to tell you, out of all the stores that I stopped into, the grocery outlet is the one that had a display with the outer leaves on it. Gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. But anyway, you want nice, firm, squeaky, fresh cabbage. You don't want it old, wilty, or trimmed down. I also saw a really cool, actually I got a picture of it so I can describe it to you. This is from Calavo, Irish stew mix. And it has a couple of green, green cabbage wedges, some peeled carrots, just those, you know, baby peeled carrots, which aren't really baby carrots, and some red potatoes, and it looks like some thyme in it, in a little clamshell. I didn't see what they were selling it for, but I snapped a picture of it because I thought it was pretty cool. You'll find things like that, too. Okay, St. Patrick's Day here in the United States of America. St. Patrick's Day parades are recorded as far back as 1845, and that ain't no jive. No mention of corned beef, though. Lots of theories and legends associated with corned beef and cabbage. One is because the manner in which the corned beef was preserved, it resisted breakdown and lasted longer than other fresh meats. It was fed to soldiers during the Civil War. Many soldiers on both sides were Irish immigrants. Their families were poor, and because corned beef was fairly cheap, they brought it home with them after the war, where it became a staple in Irish homes. Another theory was that it was used in place of bacon in Irish homes. Now, many years ago on my radio show, we got a call in from a true Irishman. That's right. He was calling in from Ireland. And Irishman is a a man from Ireland. Because he was a man, I'm not going to say Irish person, because he was a man from Ireland. And he told us, uh, it was the Produce Pair radio show, so it was Guido the Gardener and myself. He told us that... In Ireland, the traditional St. Patrick's Day meal is made up of ham, bacon, or chicken, cabbage, and potatoes. So corned beef and cabbage, folks, is, uh, well, as American as apple pie. Here's another cool thing. Stuffed cabbage leaves are another way to make corned beef and cabbage. 
but preparing the leaves for stuffing is quit, uh, it's a bit of a chore. A customer at my market offered a, a pretty good tip, though. What she does is she takes the, the head of cabbage and she pierces the stem end of the cabbage with a large two-pronged fork. Then she submerges the entire head in a pot of boiling water while holding on to the handle of the fork. So she's holding this cabbage by the handle of the fork. And as the cabbage begins to blanch, she starts cutting the leaves from the stem one by one. Uh, this softens the leaves just enough to be able to roll up your favorite stuffing without the leaves breaking and tearing and creating a mess everywhere. And you just continue the process until you get to the heart where the leaves become too small. At that point, just chop up the heart, put the small shreds and add it to your stuffing. So that's kind of a cool thing. Corned beef and cabbage sandwiches on a burger bun with some shredded cabbage. A lot of bars do that. So anyway, that's some cabbage stuff. Oh, let's talk about another side. Because to me, the corned beef and cabbage meal, the cabbage is the star as far as I'm concerned. I can't stand corned beef. Salty, red, chewy beef. And people I've told that to say, well, you haven't had mine. It's not done the right way if it's that way. Every time I've tried it. I just don't like that stringy, chewy beef. It reminds me of a, a New England boiled dinner that we'd have sometimes when I was a kid. I couldn't stand it. But anyway, maroon carrots. Now, this is kind of a cool thing. So you go to a lot of bar and grills, and they'll have corned beef and cabbage and usually red potatoes, either quartered or sliced. Some use russets. Some use Yukons. Just depends. But the prettier plate is going to be red potatoes, either quartered or small sea-sized potatoes, which a lot of them aren't going to spend the money on those, so you pretty much get a quartered number two red potato. But it makes a it makes a pretty addition to the plate because you've got the red and then you've got the orange. But now you've got also the maroon carrots, the yellow carrots, the orange carrots, and the white carrots, uh, rainbow carrots they call them. If you get those nice and cut up and, and thrown in there too, that makes a really pretty dish. The purple carrots or the maroon carrots go back as far as 2000 BC to Egypt, you know, where they found temple drawings uh, on the wall of carrots. And in the far east, they were grown along with white, green, yellow, and black carrots. Wasn't until the 16th century that Dutch growers using a yellow mutant seed from North Africa developed the orange root in honor of the House of Orange for patriotism's sake. Uh, and then, of course, the maroon carrot has made a big comeback, and so have all those other colors as well. So that's kind of a cool thing, too. If this is a good thing for bar and grills because St. Patrick's Day falls on a Friday, which means you can serve that corned beef and cabbage. If you got it left over, you could serve it Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday and just have St. Patrick's Day weekend go through your inventory. <laughs> All right, folks, if you go out and have a, yourself a St. Patrick's Day dinner, don't drink too much. Don't get dehydrated. Enjoy yourself. And remember that the cabbage is the star. Corned beef, that's a great side. All right, folks, be sure to tune in to the Produce Industry Podcast every Monday with Patrick Kelly, as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube, along with the Produce Industry app. you got to have that. Download that now on your tablet, on your phone, on your watch, and anywhere else that you can download apps to. Get that bad boy. It's a useful tool. And also... 
check out my YouTube and Rumble pages called Dan the Produce Man. And all my social media can be found at DanTheProduceMan.com. Yes, that's right, folks. Okay. Oh, and I didn't get to Savoy Cabbage. We'll do that coming up later. It's all underwater anyway. Cabbage doesn't really have deep roots anyway, so it has to get watered quite a bit. But what we have in the fields right now is horrid. So pray for our farmers because a lot is underwater. All right, folks, until next week, this is Dan the Produce Man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh. You've been listening to Fresh from the Field Fridays with Dan the Produce Man. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan the Produce Man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon. Mm-hmm.